A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Go. It's Saturday, which means it's time for the Q&A podcast on the front three with me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. True. And the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Jordy. Jordy not, Jordy's not here this week, Dave. Oh. oh Disappointing enough. It was a one-off. It was a one-time thing. Oh. No, I think uh, he'll Very that. enjoyable uh, one-time thing, though. Um, people seem to have uh, enjoyed him having him on the front three last week. I thought he was Fantastic. Good. Fantastic. He tried his best. Great guy as well. Great guy. Anyway, this week... We're answering your questions, as always, on Saturday. The first question, let's get straight into it, Dave. I've got a question here from Jack Armstrong, who wants to know predictions for Manchester United-Chelsea. The big game this weekend, Man United coming off the back of a good win last week. Are you feeling confident about this one? Two good wins, I think. I think the game against Derby um, was good as well. And then, obviously, midweek against Stoke, United are playing a lot better. I think one matter attacking midfield is really, really key to that. You know, his link-up play with Wayne Rooney is brilliant, but then... It's also to do with Anthony Martial. His form really kicked off when he played mm-hmm. Chelsea, when we played Chelsea on the 28th of uh, December. Hit the post, had a cracking game. Should have probably had a few goals in that game. So I'm hoping that he's, you know, in banging form. The defense looks a lot better. You know, Cam, Cam went fourth with Jackson. He's looking good. Um, I just, I'm, I'm positive again about Manchester United, but it could be a nil-nil draw. Uh, right. that, is that your score prediction, nil-nil? That is my score. <laughs> Excellent. He does. There is a sort of uh, air of inevitability about that. Lawrence, would you agree? Nil-nil going for. Uh, I'm no. I think there's going to be goals. I think that Chelsea will score a goal in this. Uh, guys, I think Ramirez is going to score. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, no, um, they're the winner. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to. Diego is going to uh, try and get into that back line. I think he'll score a goal. I think it's going to be more like a one-all sort of thing. I'm going to go for two-one to Manchester United. I'm really? Just, yeah, I'm just bold lad. I'm very much feeling it. Next question from Sam Doombia. Um, He's asking, should Goethe stay at Bayern Munich? If not, what would be the best team for him to develop further and bring success to? Everything's up in the air at the moment with Bayern. So 
you know, another manager might come in and say, hey, you're, you're the guy uh, to move this team forward. Oh, and Spotty so, specifically. Yeah, exactly. No, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like there might be, there might be other, there, they might make transfers. You never know. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of variables. So if he thinks he's got a long-term future there, sure. If Ancelotti thinks he does, great. But I imagine that a couple of players might leave to bring in Ancelotti, more Ancelotti-type players. I think there's one club that he should go to, definitely. Obviously, it's Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp. Um, Scott Mario Goetz, what he is today, got the best out of him. Goetz shouldn't have really left Dortmund at the time he did. And a silly mistake for me, just getting into the, you know, just becoming the key man of that side. Left and obviously was a, as a bit part player at Bayern, obviously scored a goal in the World Cup final, won the game. But I think Klopp knows how to get the best time. Klopp's love, uh, you know, Klopp played him an attacker midfield with uh, four very hard working uh, midfielders and pretty much let Gertz do what he wants, let him drift wide, let him get involved. So I think if they can, you know, reunite Klopp and Gertz, so that's an absolute dream for Liverpool in the Premier League. Interesting Next. question here. From the big man, Han, I'm going to butcher this name again, Hanzala Abassi. Mm-hmm. Dave, if Jose got the MUFC job, will he be changing? Will he be willing to change his ways since he's courted it for some time? So if he does eventually end up at Old Trafford, do you think he's going to, we're going to see a less aggressive, combative side almost? No, no, I think we'll see that. That's what we'll see a combative side that may have a peak of two to three years and then it'll, it'll go off. But I think at the moment, Man United need that stopgap. I think that's the big thing. They need a stopgap to. Um, sort the backroom problems out at the moment. And I think Mourinho, we forget Mourinho is he's genuinely one of the best managers in the world, arguably the best manager in the world, obviously very short-term in his ways, but his record's ridiculous. The treble at Inter Milan, the Champions League at Porto, you know, his success in Spain, his success in the Premier League. I think it's one of those things where because of the, the bad fallout at Chelsea, the recent Chelsea job, we've forgotten that he is a genius. And the transition at Manchester United is something that I love a counter-attack and Mourinho has the best transition you know, from defence to attack in the world. So we'll start to see that more attacking um, football on the break. And the likes of Martial, the likes of Memphis Depay, that's going to suit them down to an absolute tee. Very, very quick players, very, very good on the transition. But at the moment, it seems like we're going backwards a bit too much when we get into that phase where you could go and play that uh, killer final ball, you know, bring Mourinho in. Potentially, you know, big fan of Antoine Griezmann, myself, mm. and Mourinho. So, that will sort out that attack. You're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming. <laughs> dreaming. But then poor old, poor old Juan Mata is going to probably be shifted out the club again, even though Juan Mata has been very, very good over the last two games. Where do you think, Lawrence, so, say if Juan Mata does get shifted out, where do you think would be a good place for him to, to end up? Do you reckon another Premier League club? China. China. Um, yeah, China. <laughs> I think I think he, uh, he I, I would like to see him, and this is just an idea, if Benitez goes back to Valencia, I'd love to see Juan Mata Ooh, back. Return. Return, both of them returning. Fantastic. You know, I don't think he's quite old enough yet to go back to um, Real Oviedo. Mm. But he does say that he wants to go back there at some point in his career, as do a number oh, of players. That, that would be fantastic. Um, so, you know, th- there's, a t- there's a timeline there. At the same time, uh, Mourinho does bring a lot of harmony to a club. Well, a, a perceived harmony to a club when he mm. first arrives. Because he kind of, you know, suddenly he instills a sense of control in the players. But it's kind of a short-lived sort of thing. I don't know if because we've seen it go sort of too far, whether mm. he's able to do the same now. Or, you know, if he goes in at United, whether there'll be sort of some scepticism from the players. Whereas before, maybe there was yeah, a little bit of un- scepticism. Unquestionable. Exactly. Um, great question here from David Ryan. Interesting one. If Leicester qualify for Europe, yeah. are you worried they'll get outclassed by Europe's elite and therefore that England's coefficient? Like all the other teams who have been in there recently. Um, <laughs> interesting question, but like you say, well, I mean, it's not it, as if anyone else is doing fantastically at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, Ranieri does have experience at 
that level, doesn't he? Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to Leicester next season. Whether it'll be interesting to see what Chelsea do, won't it? But will, will they? Uh, sorry, what Leicester do? Chelsea won't be doing anything in Europe next season um, <laughs> unless they win it. Uh, so, do you guys think? Do you guys think it could be somewhat of an Ipswich sort of thing where Leicester have a good season and then sort of tail off? I think it'll be difficult for them. I reckon the squad size is a big, big concern for myself. You know, you think you're taking out some of those key components and you've not got much left, but you could see them doing very, very well in one of the competitions to be at the Premier League or probably more likely if they do get to the Champions League, they, they'll go in, won't they? And I think they set up, they set up perfectly. My massive criticism of English sides at the moment in Europe is they can't defend. So one thing Leicester City can actually do is play on the counter-attack and sit deep. You know, you've got, you've got the raw pace of Jamie Vardy and, and Mahrez. I think the key to that is if they can keep these players... Uh, at Leicester and then bring more players in of a similar ilk, you know, gaining these signings from foreign leagues or uh, internally within the uh, football pyramid in England, then they can continue on this run. But that's the key to it. It's keeping, keeping Mares, keeping Vardy. And if they can do that, yeah, they'll, they'll do all right. But I think that centre-half especially, they've probably got to look out and go and get some two new centre-halves in, in uh, the summer if they are wanting to compete at that level because the likes of Wes Morgan and uh, Robert Hooth are not going to be able to cope against the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Suarez. It is going to be interesting to see, well, maybe they're going to win the league this season. We don't know, which would be absolutely incredible. But whether, I think they'll be able to keep those players, but it'll be about what players can they attract in terms of, they won't be able to compete, you'd imagine, with the likes of City, United, Chelsea in terms of wages and in terms of that prestige. I I think what we've got there is we've got a massive golf in the Premier League where the top clubs go for these top players and we're seeing the likes of Mbula going to Stoke or Shakiri mm. going to Stoke or Bojan going to Stoke all these players that are thinking okay the Premier League is a pretty decent place to showcase my talents oh Leicester City have just done really well they're in the top four is this now the new place to go and sort of sort myself out you look at their signings last season like um, Okazaki was a really good deal in a way you know a player that's sort of done very very well in the Bundesliga but not taking that step up to the next level mm. and maybe that's sort of the place Leicester City may be a really good stepping stone for some of these players to sort of showcase what they've got and then move on to bigger clubs but obviously it's, it's not a nice thing as a Leicester City fan hearing that well, but it could be a good yeah. place to they, showcase they the club They do have billionaire investors and they have investment in the side you know Obviously but big spenders in the summer they spent a lot of money in the summer um, and it's just interesting to see if they can do that again, whether they can get similar success mm. with Mares and Vardy. Obviously, they're the, the pinnacle of this side, but they need to replicate that over and if over again. If they make any more genius signings like Kante, I think they'll be just fine. Um, great question here from Frederick Hallerstrom. Thank you, Frederick, for your question. How stupid is Teixeira on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, if you haven't heard the news, uh, Teixeira has just joined... Uh, Chinese side Jiangsu Suning for a, a transfer record, a Chinese transfer record of £38.4 million, uh, earning £7.7 million there every year, which may have had something to do with it. But I saw a few interesting people, you know, sort of on Twitter saying that, you know, uh, those criticising Teixeira for moving to China, you know, questioning why he moved to Ukraine in the first place. Maybe there were similar motives behind that one. Well, I don't I mean, uh, they do have a fairly good reputation. I mean, they have, it, it's just about getting to Europe in the first place, isn't it, really, for some people? And Shakhtar are known for being somewhat of a shop window for then getting them other those of players course. further into Europe. You so know, do you think Tarian, those kind of guys. Do you think to share is obviously linked with your club, Liverpool Lawrence, didn't end up yeah. happening for whatever, whatever reason? But Liverpool didn't offer enough money, simply. So do you think this is a stupid move by Teixeira that maybe should have held out to go to uh, perhaps a more prestigious league in the summer? Or is this a smart decision? Well, do you think they were maybe cashing in on him? Um, yeah. You know, just because they could. Not that they needed to, because their owners 
the owner of the uh, next needs no money. Like mm. he, he, they just have no need to be able to do to you know to spend that anywhere else because they're not going to go out and buy a ridiculously overpriced player. So the money is just sort of going back into the club. Um, do you also just think it's? I don't. I, I don't think it's cutting off. I know spite your face, but I. You know, he is going to a league where there are a lot of other Brazilians. Mm. He came to Europe. You'd imagine to try and break into the Brazil squad, but you think uh, he's not going to be able to do that, surely. Well, you never know. I mean, there are a lot of other Brazilian players over there, so there's going to be Brazilian eyes on the Chinese league. I think we're gonna, we are definitely going to have this as our talking point next week. We're going to try and go in depth on this because I think it's absolutely fascinating how it's, uh, you know, the, the Chinese sort of encroaching on football and trying to grow their own game and grow yeah, their own but, leagues. But, yeah, hold on a minute, but you say encroaching on football, not encroaching, encroaching, but in terms of European football. Exactly. And, as in there's, terms there's of, almost a fear of the unknown that, that people are, oh, hold on a minute, what if, what if the power shifts towards somewhere else? It's almost um, unthinkable. It's just interesting that now, interesting. you know, the MLS, you, I was assuming, would sort of become that league where they'd be able to attract European players away. Not European, play, uh, European players are at the end of their career, like Perlo, like Keane, that, that they have done in the past. Mm. I was thinking MLS was going to become that league where they go younger and try and attract those sort of players. All of a sudden, China's come in. And he's pulling away. You know, Jovino was a you know a regular player in a top five team in the Italian league, and he's gone to to China. It's an interesting. You could, you could say there's a bubble that they're creating there, and China mm. have created a lot of bubbles to benefit themselves whilst yeah. other economies that's, are going down. So yeah, that's, you know, that's what, much what it is. Whilst everyone economies, whilst everyone's economy is bad, mm. um, China's weirdly is thriving, and there's yeah. a lot of question marks over that. I think. I'm looking forward to getting into it in more depth. Next Just week. to give but it a one, specifically one tiny li little statement, tiny little statement. I think they're ahead. running it as a lost leader at the moment, but eventually it will become something massive. The but we'll get into it in depth. Something very interesting. I find it fascinating. It's Fredericks. also a different culture. I mean, football's a different culture over there. Let's put it that way. It's not. It, he's not going to be going to a, a culture which is similar to his own. I should All say right? the actual question Frederick asked was how stupid is he on a scale of one to ten? So Lawrence, one okay. to ten. What do you reckon? I'd say I'd say he's five naive. I, five naive. Five, five naive. Five. Dave? Five. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's a little bit too early for him. So mm. I'm going to say a seven. Yeah, if he, if he waited, he could have you know, could have made that big move and he could have competed at a higher stage right now. But obviously the Chinese Super League is growing. So maybe, yeah, I can give it a seven. The main Very, man. Imagine if he played alongside Firmino, Coutinho, you know, Willian at Chelsea. He, he really is then at the top, uh, you know, the top table in the world. And China at the moment isn't that competitive. You know, maybe it'll be considered, you know, mm. what, like one of the first guys who bought an Apple Watch and everyone called him a dick. But, you know, <laughs> that, nothing, that's not, those people that's wearing Apple Watches now. That's not from your personal experience, anything, Lawrence, is it? That's not from your personal experience, of course. No, no. <laughs> no, all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is, you know, you know, some people are ahead of the curve, but some people also aren't. And sometimes trend, trends... But some people, tr sometimes Listen. what I'm saying is trends don't catch on. It doesn't Listen. matter if I have an Apple Watch or not, Adam. What's your problem? Why are you jealous? Let's move on. We're going to talk about China next week. Let's save all this good stuff. Pizball asks, what were your first jobs? Um, I think my first proper paid job was I used to work in HMV. That was cool. Did you? Yeah. Did you get discount? Yeah, 10% discount on everything, which was What kind of stuff uh, you used to buy? You used to sell you big, What was your big You used to buy these things called um, CDs. They're not really around anymore. Um, really? I'm like? pretty sure <laughs> not many people. Uh, there's probably a few people in the podcast who, uh, who listen to the podcast who probably never used a CD before. I'd, uh, I imagine I'd there are people who, I, sometimes I download the podcast, I burn it to a CD. And oh, yeah, put it in my of course. Room. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> common sense. Yeah, you used to work in HMV. What about you, Dave? Um, I was a paperboy first real job, but then oh. I worked in a bar, Australian bar. Used to have a great time. Used to get smashed. Was it walkabout? 
not the same age now. So the paper round, obviously, everyone has a paper round, so it's not really a first job. So I, so I was going to put the other one. Uh, Lawrence, yeah. what about you? Uh, I had two sort of first jobs. When I was 15, I bought myself a set of decks and started to become a DJ, Aww. which in the Midlands Wait, hold on. Is, what was your DJ cool. name? <laughs> DJ Loz. Oh, oh shut up, I Rob. Was, <laughs> I was hoping for something even more out there, but DJ Loz. No, was, what, DJ what, you Loz mean like, like DJ uh, Loz. Smooth Glass or something? Yeah. No, it was DJ, DJ Glassjaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Why would I be called DJ Glassjaw? <laughs> I've got a glass as everyone as everyone well knows. Yeah. Um, so no, I, that and then my first my first like paid company job was uh, washing cars in a in a car lot. As soon as I gra- graduated from high school, I was like, I just want a job. So I got into um, into washing cars. Matt, gotta say, guys, it keeps you fit. Does indeed. Wax yeah. on, wax off. Matt W at Turtle Muncher says, Dave, are P- is Pjanic, Miralem Pjanic, the best free kick taker in Europe at the moment? Well, Adam. Hit me with them stats. Open Dem spreadsheets and I've had a look. Ooh, Dem spreadsheets. Um, so Pranic has scored yeah. four free, direct free kicks this season in Syria. That's uh, two more than any player in Europe's top five league. So yeah, by that argument, you could say definitely he is the best free kick taker this season. Bam. Also, backing that up is any player that's taken over 10 shots from free kicks. Pranic has the best free kick conversion rate at 25%. Mm-hmm. Other mentions um, to a number of players. Uh, you've got um, Insignia from um, Napoli, who scored two free Insignia. kicks from six attempts, 33% conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Prejo, seven free kicks attempted, two scored. Interestingly enough, though, I decided to open it up, open up to the floor. So I looked at the last three seasons in Europe um, and interestingly enough if we're taking uh, players that have taken over 20 um, free kicks so that's a sample set of around uh, let me just double check it's around 50 players I think so it's around yeah it's around no it's around probably about 80-90 players wow um, flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The man Yaya Torre has the best conversion rate. The main Brilliant. man. Yep, scored 19% of his free kicks. That's um, four in 20 shots. But if we're looking at the um, you know the top scorers in the last three seasons, number one is Hakan Karloglu with 11 goals from 89 shots. And then Pranic is second, eight goals from 47 shots. Pranic is an interesting one as well because he learned his technique from Janino Penembucano. My the f- everyone's favourite. Oh, legend. Yes. 
So he has what a similar way of how he strikes the ball. So it's an interesting way. It's not. It's like that knuckleball effect in a way. But it's just it's interesting to see. You know, Karl Oglu Pranic, uh, a fella called Daniel Weiss from um, Evian in Liga. He's got a pretty decent record. And then Christian Eriksen and Andre Pirlo. So it's, uh, you know, good free kick techers, lads. Good free kick techers. Um, Dayson Adamson said, should Manchester United consider Pochettino ahead of Mourinho for the manager's job? From my unbiased (laughs) point of view, I would say yes. Pochettino is a fantastic manager. You just have to look at the job he's done at Spurs. In the job at the same time uh, that Louis van Gaal has been at Manchester United, I think you can see a real difference between the impact they've had on their clubs but as a Spurs fan, I fucking hope. <laughs> um, but I, I assume you'd love to see him there, Dave. Oh yeah, you just summed it up perfectly, Adam. Summed it up perfectly. Next question, Brad said, "Will City win the Champions League under Pep Guardiola?" I think that's quite a good shout. Actually, he's probably going to be there for what three, four years, Lawrence. No, I think they'll make a final and they'll uh, keep making the final, but he won't win it. Really? Yeah, but it'll help with the coefficient. That's all I want, really. Just want the coefficient. <laughs> Don't win it. Just get to the final for us. Another question here on Pep from Sagar Ananth. Sagar! Thank you, Sagar, for your question. Uh, Don't you think Pep going to Manchester City is more like Pep versus the Premier League? I.e., if he succeeds, football based on possession will be proved to be the best. But if he fails, it will prove that his style can't match up to the direct transition based Premier League. Oof, um, Long question. Good question from Sega. With, um, I don't know if it will prove him right or wrong. I just think it's a contrasting style. Football can be played in a number of beautiful ways. Pep Guardiola is the man that likes the ball. I think that he'll maybe potentially, if it's not working, he will tweak it a little bit. We saw at Bayern Munich how they go a lot more direct against the likes of Borussia Dortmund who press them. You know, Jura Boateng out the ball, out, balls out the back directly to Lewandowski. Interestingly enough, he's got Sergio Aguero there. Just needs a centre half to be that. Um, sort of sweeper playmaker but I think it'll be you know I think that City are going to have success under Guardiola just look at the players that they've got I think the the big three is going to be De Bruyne, Sterling and Aguero they're going to be so so dangerous under Guardiola I think it's going to be fascinating to see which is going to be their big sign in the summer if it's like Pogba or Alaba or someone like that who's he going to bring in to sort of uh, help him succeed it's going to be very interesting next question here from Tuomo Nivalainen if there was a Super League, European Super League, where the best 20 teams played, would Premier League teams do well? Uh, my initial thoughts would be no, because the best Premier League teams are nowhere near as good as the best teams from Bundesliga Spain and even yeah. Serie A. Yeah, I'd say, you know, Juventus, who's, who's the best team in the Premier League right now? Technically, it's Leicester. <laughs> so, yeah, but you're assuming, uh, that, you're assuming that those clubs wouldn't, the, the structure would stay the same. I think they'd do all right, you know. I, I, I'm not saying they wouldn't do all right, but I'm saying, for example, I'd expect Juventus to be better than, say, Arsenal. Even teams like Napoli now seem to be uh, seem to be more effective than the likes of Arsenal. They've also got PSG, who obviously maybe they don't have the strong competition in Ligue 1, and maybe if they're up against stronger competition, that would you'd, you'd sort of see their true colours. But then you've got Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, even Atletico Madrid. You'd probably say all of them are better than English teams, right? The be interesting to teams. see the competitiveness, right? Because the Premier League has, you know, a lot of competitive teams in the league, whereas, you know, Juventus, arguably PSG, Bayern, they sort of sometimes they turn up at the weekend and they expect to win, but every mm. single week they'd have that big, big encounter. So the, I think mean, it, it'd be a really interesting, be very, very interesting to see how the teams adapt, whether it takes them a few games to get adjusted to physical games every single week. But it'd be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't it? It'd be brilliant. Here is a great question. Um, Sarfak Behal, thank you for your question. 
is Gary Neville ready to coach a team like Valencia? Of course, you guys touched on this on Wednesday, a fresh 7-0 by Barcelona. Mm. He's yet to win a game, I believe, uh, at Valencia. Things are not perhaps going as well as uh, was expected. Mm. Dave and Lawrence, you think maybe this job's come too soon for him? That it is a very difficult job to have, it, especially your first managerial post. Yeah, maybe he's not it, quite ready to deal with all of the problems that come with a job like Valencia. Well, I think the the interesting thing in Spain is that a lot of people seem to be blaming everyone but him when they're speaking about it. Uh, you know, people in England are putting the focus on him, but in Spain, it seems like a lot more the focus is on the players and the owner and the ownership and those sorts of things and where they're how they've managed the transition uh, as a club that's got money again. Um, and it, I, I think the, the thing for him is he's short term. So as long as he can steer the ship, keep them up. The, the, the disappointing thing, I think, for Valencia is they're not going to make the Champions League this season if he continues in this form. Um, even if he didn't continue in this form, there's still a lot of equal clubs within that league. So I think... Uh, what they're having trouble with is is justifying both sides of the story, which is basically Valencia expected to compete this season and are now disappointed not to be competing. And, you know, th- there's already talk of Rafa Benitez being lined up to go back to Valencia and sort of uh, have some, which, you know, w- would make a good uh, pair, I guess. The last time he left, he, he wasn't particularly happy because he didn't get the investment. And this time they can afford the investment. The perfect situation. Interesting. Yeah, although he really will be beaten with a stick if uh, if if he can't get this one right. So. Dave, do you think Neville made a mistake in taking this job? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, it was a it was too big a challenge to start him off with. It's really, hard. You know, football, one of the biggest teams in Spain, right? Yeah, and it's just football is so quick to judge. Uh, you know, everything changes from week to week, and this has already seen his reputation take a bit of a, a hit. Right, it's difficult to come back from that. Yeah, you could also question the players' mentality as well. They've drawn um, 10 league games this season. Only Deportivo La Coruña have drawn more league games. So that's that's a fine margin. You, know, you nick a goal here, you score early there. The, these draws are going to be converted into wins. So maybe it's, it's the players that need to be also um, you know, criticised as well, mm. similar to you know, a lot of clubs in England where the players are, are you know, supposed to be at this level and they're not there. But I think it'll be, it, I hope that it will come, come good for Barcelona. Obviously, is. Copa del Rey form before the drumming against Barcelona was the one positive for Valencia this season. Gary Neville had picked up what uh, I think he picked up like four four wins and a draw mm. or three wins and a draw. So it'll be interesting. I think Cherishev, as I mentioned before, is a big big signing. If they can get as soon as they can get him into the side playing and creating, that'll be absolutely you know good for them going forward. Here's a great question from Lorenzo A. Castanon: Is Manchester hey. is are Manchester United struggling because the best players got old? Is? And left like AC Milan. The likes of no, Rio, a lot Dave. Of them had left before that. The likes of Vidic, Dave. Ever. I think, yeah. I think, I think it's to do the, with the recruit, with the youth policy and so forth. You've got to identify the, who's replacing these big players. And yeah, Phil Jones and Smalling were supposed to be replacing you know, the likes of Vidic and the likes of Ferdinand, but it's not worked out. Um, you know, you've got to look at the analysts at the club. You've got to look at the people who are deciding the transfer policy and so forth. And you've got to identify, we've got a hole here. We've got to fill it with quality. And that's the problem. You go back to that 2018, the amount of world-class players in that team. Well, not world-class, sorry. I don't like using world-class. Excellent players. <laughs> so you're going with it. Vidic, Evra, um, Ferdinand. And in midfield, you've got obviously Paul Scholes. Up front, Tevez, Rooney, Ronaldo, 
it's ridiculous to look at that that team and then look at the team we've got right now. How many of those players will get in that team? Yeah, Anthony Martial is a very, 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 very good player this season. He's been excellent, but would he be behind Ronaldo? Yes, he probably would. And I think that's what we've got to look at. Those players were in their prime there and they haven't been replaced. There's been no um, transition or no uh, thinking like Ferguson. Ferguson was the person that refreshed the team year in, year out. He retired and someone needed to refresh the team. Ferguson would have refreshed the team that summer. It wasn't his responsibility anymore. He'd retired. He's done that for 26, 27 years. So he deserves to not be blamed for this current issues. But I feel like the club's got to take the responsibility and it's got to be moved on. Interesting. Nice. Very interesting. Um, question here from... Blah, 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 blah. It's from Te Golazzo. Now, I think you pretty much discussed this uh, on Wednesday, but he said who who was the best signing at the January transfer window. I think Kristen was talking about Charlie Austin, um, someone who was mentioned. Dave, you went for Gianelli in Bula to Stoke. Uh, Lawrence, who was your shout? I think it was Stephen Fletcher to Marseille. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a given. That I mean, is that is genius, given. isn't it? Absolutely uh, given. Trying to think of trying to think of who it would be. Uh, I quite like I like the Shelby one. I still like the Austin one. We kind of answered that the other night. Yeah. But you know, uh, it would have been to share it to Liverpool, but it just didn't happen, did it? <laughs> yeah. To share to China to share it to China then, Lawrence. Is that the not within our window, move? mate? Not within our window. Stockton <laughs> here. We've got Jay Stockton ninety eight on Twitter saying, "Whose comeback was greater, Manchester United's in nineteen ninety nine? One's not hard, is it? It's not or hard. Liverpool's in two thousand and five." Late in May in 1999. Um, oh, do, am I like the deciding vote here? Am I the yeah, you are the deciding vote. Okay, yeah. so it's almost like a little game of two halves. Maybe you two, maybe Dave, give me 20 seconds. Just sell me on why that Manchester United comeback was better. So first half Liverpool, they were 3-0 down. Terrible, terrible performance. United were still in the game at half-time at Nine, 89 minutes, they were still in the game. Ferguson made some cracking changes, brought some more attackers and scored some goals. <laughs> Lawrence <laughs> Liverpool are under a brand new manager someone who they haven't played under for very long in transitioning squad with some really mediocre players at the time the players that he brought on uh, made the difference and you know Xabi Alonso Didi Haman he put Gerrard in the right position um, Schmitzer scored an incredible goal and Xabi Alonso finished it off and yes they were down but the point is it wasn't the greatest match it was the greatest comeback mm, they took them to penalties and in that penalty shootout whoa 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 where's the clock in... here lads oh sorry <laughs> whoa hold on a minute oh, <laughs> I was time, on I was on 15 time. seconds on my timer when that happened thank you uh, oh, well, well you were like I think half a minute two minutes half a minute <laughs> I think um, what I think Dave stopped me there Adam do you know why because I think he realised that he'd lost yeah <laughs> no, I think bro, he, he, no, he panicked he panicked no, no. Yeah, Dave, Dave got shut down <laughs> shut well, down bro. Bro. let's uh, I think I'm going to have to I think I agree with Lawrence I think that was, no, that was the technicality. more technicality well, we're not on a technicality over the time of it maybe. what you're going to have to do um, is maybe put it to a vote ooh yeah <laughs> let's put it to a vote because you know let's see what the whole has to say about this I'll put that up on Twitter this week what was the greatest comeback United in 1999 or Liverpool in 2005? If, do you agree with Dave? Do you agree with Lawrence? Let us know. Get on Twitter and vote in that poll. Final question this week, guys. I like this question a lot. Is from the big man, Jeremy AFC, the main man, asking, what is your most hated football cliche? Europe's top five leagues. Hey, Dave, that's your favourite football cliche. <laughs> that's my favourite, Lawrence. That is how you judge players, bro. <laughs> my absolute favourite. Uh, and Andy Townsend special is he's almost hit it too well. 
I absolutely love oh, yeah, like, it. I'm like, what? What the, what the hell does that mean? Um, I, sort of, people... I sort of love to hate it, to be fair, to, to, to be honest. Uh, a really bad football cliche is when people say names wrong and then they go, yeah, never mind. And you're like, <laughs> no, mind. It's like me walking into the room and going, hey, hey, damn. Is that, like, that's, that, well, I mean, you can say it that way if you want. Um, it's a football cliche. And that, that's uh, your most also, hated. A football cliche right now is obviously the whole, oh, if he goes to China, he's after the money. He, Maybe you know, I know the player gets to make the decision, but ultimately they've got a lot of people surrounding them, and you know, there's there's some interesting people maybe taking their players and marketing mm. them to China right now. So it's not just the player. A certain super agent, perhaps. Dave, um, what's your most hated football cliche? Then? I think I've, I've got an absolute mind blank at the moment. Put it in the mixer. Absolute you know. Oh yeah. no, I like that. That's a good one. That's good for the end of the game. Get it in the mixer, lads. Get it in the mixer. Just when people sort of go, oh, you know, it was. I think they played pretty well um it was a good match you know when people are giving analysis and they're like both sides played pretty well they pressed mm. um you know they and pressed you're sort of high up the like, pitch they won the ball yeah, high they, up the pre- pitch. they pressed high up the pitch that's uh, not really a cliche you know, though that's just like you're just i don't know that's sort of like i feel like that is, is something a, that it is ha- a cliche though, but that's something it? that you're, you're you're saying something that actually happened in a game whereas a cliche is more like you're yeah, almost but, not telling anyone what happened you're just relying yeah, on stock phrases but it's cliched to gave 110 percent, you know so it becomes quite... a cliche through through the use of stock phrases so it's sort of like uh they, they're kind of you know they're not really giving any analysis you I'll sort of what, say no ronaldo what? was good in this position or that you know give give me some detail not just it was fair to midley um at times Another one you I was know? thinking about, uh, another football cliche right. I was thinking about this week was always calling, you know, like captains, like brave. There was a great article about, it, you know, like the brave, heroic, <laughs> yes. as if they've like saved someone's life or doing yeah, something yeah. really important for the especially, world. Especially in football, the Champions mate. League. Yeah. In the Champions a League. A brave uh, performance. Celtic have, ne- Celtic have not had, I think, five years without making a brave performance in the Champions League yeah. against someone like Barcelona. <laughs> so brave. Oh, yeah, that, that, that winds me up. No end. Heroic. Or in the FA Cup. You know, teams are so brave in the effort. No, they they've been brave. drawn against each other. It's a scheduled match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, not, I understand what they mean by that, but it isn't brave. It's weird that football has that. That might be another talking point, but they, that, that sort of, those sort of words and those sort of um, things that are associated with the sport of football as opposed to, I don't know, perhaps more meaningful things in life. But anyway, on that ponderous note, that does bring an end to this Let week's The Front Three. Let us know what your favourite football cliche is. Yes, please do. Tweet us at The Front Three on Twitter. Make sure you follow us there as well. If, if you want to rate and maybe even review the podcast, simply go on your podcast out there, type in The Front Three and click on Write a Review. I think we've got 106 ratings so far. We've still got the old five-star rating, which is always nice. Um, keep it there, guys. Keep, keep it, there. it there. Don't give us a one. Keep it clean. Uh, Lawrence, if the whole, if the good people want to follow you on Twitter, where should they go? I've been beginning to work on the website, guys. So ah. get over to front, thefront3.com. Okay, and perfect. Take a look. Also the YouTube uh, channel, The Front and it, 3. Please, again, in, you know, not only do iTunes reviews, if you like the podcast, go and tweet, really great podcast this week. Yeah, so let us know other people thought. see it. Mm. You know, mm. it's all well and good putting it on iTunes. Yeah, exactly. Really great podcast this week, guys. Go and listen to this. Mm. I like it. I like it a lot. Dave, no, the good people. That. I think you've got to go to the website. Lawrence is oh, he's, great he's craftsmanship there. Great Lovely jubbly. So that is www.httfront3.com. Obviously the number three, because we are 
three amigos you know what i mean oh, yes i love it um thank you very much for listening to the front free much appreciated as always we'll see you on wednesday when we'll be back with the regular podcast i love regular great regular. guy regular. Oh, hey <laughs> come back for the regular podcast guys i'm so close to giving it a good ending just <laughs>